afternoon, everybody, and happy New Year's as we are back here on the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, LG Hillel, and joining me as always is Connor. Connor, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. How, how's it been, my friend? Oh, I, I've been busy. We've been busy. That's why we haven't been around. So hopefully we, we get some stability back as the new year begins, but happy holidays and Happy New Year to you as well. I'm excited to get started this year, especially we missed out on some victory green hours, but now we get to do a playoff green hour, so it's even better. Yes, and um, about when the Eagles last played the Seattle Seahawks, which was Week 12, that was their second loss of three in a row because they lost to the Patriots, the Seahawks, and then the Dolphins, and the Eagles were 5-7, and seven, and people were flipping out, and people were... Uh, skeptical about what the Eagles or how the Eagles would be able to finish the season, but they finished strong four in a row in the division. Um, excuse me. Yes. You know, they were against possibly one of the worst divisions in NFL history. I still think the NFC West back when Seattle won it at seven and nine is worse than what the NFC is. Seven, NFC East is, you know, this year, but division games are not, regardless of how bad teams are and the Giants and Redskins are pretty bad. Um, the Redskins hired Ron Rivera as a new coach. Jack Del Rio is going to be the defensive coordinator. Um, the Giants are in the process of interviewing Matt Rule as a hot candidate um, for them, possibly the favorite. Um, they want to interview Josh McDaniels also. I kind of predicted Matt Rule if he leaves Baylor, which it's not a guarantee that he will, but if he leaves Baylor, I think he's going to go to the Giants. And of all the coaches that are going to go from college to the pros, I think Matt Rule has the best chance of being successful. Um, I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to be successful. I don't think that Urban Meyer is going to be successful. Um, but it's just, I just don't know. I just don't think he's he's going to. Obviously, I think it depends on the team he goes to. This is where, da and in Dallas right now, I don't. Yes, the, Jason Garrett's on the last year of his contract. His contract expires in like two weeks, I think. <laughs> but the thing when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys is how many potential coaching candidates are going to want to go to a team where the owner is the general manager, the spokesperson and has all the power. Like the reason Ron Rivera has the power, uh, you know, they got rid of Bruce Allen because he wasn't going to go there. If Bruce Allen was there making all the moves, you know, Ron Rivera wants to bring in somebody that he's able to work with. Who's going to want to go to Dallas and do that. You know, that, I don't think urban Meyer is going to want to go to Dallas. He's going to want power. He, you know, and I don't see Jerry Jones hiring somebody like another Bill Parcells because he's going to want to be the, again, I mentioned it before, the spokesperson, the guy that makes all of the moves, the guy that, you know, everybody goes to when they're looking for answers. Urban Meyer's not going to want to, want to do that. That's why I think it would not shock me if Jason Garrett gets a, gets an extension and he's back there. And if that happens, I get, I'm, I'm, I'm going to laugh. I don't know about you, but I'm going to laugh. Oh yeah. It's, no, no doubt. I, I would be very humored by that situation in Dallas because he just they have so much talent that that most coaches would be able to exploit. Like if Doug Peterson was coaching in Dallas, that would probably be a Super Bowl team. But this this coach, you just can't seem to get everything out of this team. And it's it's a shame that they're wasting talent and they're wasting money. And they're even entertaining the idea of paying Dak Prescott. 40 million dollars 35 million dollars when ultimately he can't lead a team he he's just not a quarterback you want to pay that much money to i mean my my 
I was talking to everybody the other day. My best draft scenario for them would be to go out, draft a new quarterback, and let Dak Prescott walk and bring back your skill pieces like uh, Amari Cooper. I mean, they're already overpaying a bunch of players, and it's only going to get worse, especially if they put the money in Prescott's hands. So, obviously, coming into the season, Prescott wanted to let his game do this. And and I know we're, we're not Dallas fans, but I think this is an intriguing, quick discussion. Dak Prescott wanted to put, you know, let his game do his talking to prove that he was worth the $35, $40 million a year that he was looking for. Jerry Jones, on the other hand, he there's a reason why he paid Zeke Elliott before he paid Dak Prescott, because Zeke Elliott is what makes that offense go. Um, who do you think – is it safe to say that Jerry may have, quote-unquote, won that battle in terms of they're both going to wait, they're both going to sit there and say – you know, J- J- um, Dak's gonna say I'm gonna let my game do, you know, prove do the, my talk do the talking and, and prove it for me. But Jerry's like, all right, I'm gonna let you go out there and prove that you have what it takes to be a franchise quarterback that that can make 35 to 40 million dollars a year. With you mentioned it, with all that talent, if they have a a different coach and be a different quarterback, if you were to f- put Carson Wentz on Dallas as currently co- um, constructed and put Dak Prescott on the Eagles as currently constructed. Dallas would have won the division in week 10. The Eagles, with Dak Prescott leading this team, are a four-win team. Carson Wentz led this team to the playoffs. That ends any discussion between who's better, Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think it goes without saying that that clearly Carson Wentz is a better quarterback because of who he did it with. I mean, you look at like Amari Cooper, you look at Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, you got Blake Jarwin, you got two pretty strong tight ends. You got Zeke Elliott, Jason you got Aaron that. Sucks. Or Jason, Jason Witten sucks. He sucks, but he was there to catch a ball. I mean, he's better than a lot of number two tight ends on some teams. And he, well, he was honestly probably the number one tight end on that team. But it's just that just goes to so, show he didn't need to lean on his tight ends because he had Michael Gallup. He had Amari Cooper. He has Zeke Elliott. He had Tony Pollard. He, so many different weapons that they give Carson Wentz those weapons, and he's you know he's not scratching and crawling to get to four thousand yards without a five hundred yard receiver. You give no, him those probably weapons, he's throwing two, for forty eight hundred yards. He would absolutely have like two one thousand yard receivers in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and then Zeke. I mean, you know the crazy thing is Dallas had the number one offense in the NFL. They outscored their opponents by like 113 points. They outgained their opponents by like over a thousand yards, and they were an eight and eight team. It, that should never happen in the NFL. You have those type of disparities, you know, on those in those offensive categories. You should be able to outscore teams. And this is where you know the Stephen A. Smiths and the the uh, Shannon Sharps have said, and even Ike Reese. He has garbage time yards. In that Green Bay game, Green Bay was blowing Dallas out. They made a quote-unquote comeback, but that was because Green Bay went to prevent and Dak shredded them in the second half because Green Bay didn't care, didn't think that they would, that Dallas would be able to come back. That's all Dak Prescott is. He's a garbage time stat compiler. Yeah, I mean, he, he I had him in fantasy, so maybe for some great fantasy weeks, some weeks, but at the end of the day, yeah, he... he he, that's that's all he is he he can when he needs to sling a ball he's comparable to 
not as bad, I don't think, as Jameis Winston, but he can sling a ball. He can get the ball to someone. And although he, he makes better decisions than Jameis Winston, he can definitely just sling a ball all over the field, which, sure, that's a great positive. But if you can't lead a team or your team can't get beyond 8-8 eight and eight with the types of stats you just pointed out, that that's worrisome. And maybe that alludes to the defense. Maybe it alludes to the offense. I mean, it sounds like it alludes to both doing their job, which is not something that we saw for most teams. Like, definitely the Eagles, when the offense was playing, the defense wasn't. When the defense was playing, the offense wasn't until those last four weeks when it was do or die every single game. But it kind of alludes to the fact that both sides of the ball were playing, but they weren't getting that extra oomph out of the talent out of that the the coach wasn't getting the extra oomph that he needed to get them over the top in each of those games. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to bring, that's enough Dallas talk now. Um, we're going to bring it back to the Eagles. You know, I, I made a point on Twitter earlier this week that the Eagles are the most stable franchise in the NFC East. You have a, a strong, stable owner who doesn't interfere in football operations all that much anymore. Um, you have a strong general manager and as much, flack as we have given Howie Roseman this year for not going out and making any moves. Obviously he knew what he was doing because the practice, the Eagles may have had the best practice, the, the best practice squad in NFL history because you had to bring up Boston Scott. You had to bring up Greg Ward, Josh Perkins. Um, you know, you had to bring up Deontay Burnett, Robert, like they're not bringing up pl- players and they're sitting on the bench. They're bringing up players and they're contributing on the football field. I mean, Boston Scott was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week this week, and if you, I don't know if you saw that video of, of Jerry um, Jones during the Dallas game when Boston Scott scored. I think it was his third touchdown of the game. He's just looking at it like, who the heck is number 35? When the Eagles jumped up, jumped out to or increased their lead to 34-17 against the Giants um, in their NFC clin- NFC East clinching game. But like, again, as much flack, you know, as much as as we were angry at at Howie Roseman. He didn't go out and trade peanuts for um, Jadavion Clowney, which he could have. And we're going to see how much that could come back to home because we're going to see Clowney this weekend, um, even though he's not 100%. Um, you know, he didn't go out and make a move for uh, a Patrick Peterson, Marcus um, Peters, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard. Like, he didn't improve what we thought were weaknesses. And while they still are weaknesses, like, he didn't get a speed receiver. While they are still perceived weaknesses, it had – they're still in the playoffs. And while Doug isn't going to win coach of the year, and he should, because um, that's probably going to go to John Harbaugh or, or Shanahan, and how he's not going to win executive of the year, he should get some consideration for it. Because when you look at the names on this on this roster, on the offensive side of the ball, Boston Scott is the third, technically he's the fifth string running back because you have Jordan Howard, Miles, or he's the fourth string, fifth string. Um, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, and then Boston Scott. Um, looking at the receivers, you're without uh, Nelson Aguilar, Deshaun Jackson, and um, Alshon Jeffrey. You have Greg Ward, Robert Davis, Deontay Burnett, and they just signed Shelton Gibson. Um, so, like, you are literally playing with scrap heap players. You know, um, Zach Ertz. Missed the last game. Who caught the first touchdown for the Eagles? Josh Perkins. Yes, Josh Perkins was on the roster last year, but who the hell knows who Josh Perkins is? When I was watching that game against the Giants and I saw 16 catch the ball, 
I had to do a double take, and I was like, 16? Who the hell is 16? And I actually had to go to the roster on the Eagles app to see that it was Deontay Burnett. Like, this is where things have gone. Again, you're out without your two best linemen for majority of the game last week against the Giants in Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Matt Pryor, Halapolivati Vaitai stepped in and did an admirable job. I think Carson Wentz may have got sacked once, if I'm not mistaken, last week. Yes, it's against the Giants, but these aren't, you know, household names. These aren't the two best at their position on the offensive line that you normally have. Howie Roseman deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this team. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, I I was one of the believers in Boston Scott from the beginning of the season, and you've laughed at me since that yeah, day. You got but, lucky I with mean, all the what, injuries. I'm just saying. I probably did, but you know what? Now that guy, probably Boston Scott's probably going to be on the roster next year. Well, he's gonna with take Darren, Darren Sproles Sproul, retiring, retiring and so. with Corey Clement and his injury history, I'm, I'm not even convinced Corey Clement comes back and makes the roster. That's like at the end of the day, I mean, you got you, they brought in Holyfield. There's the draft. If we don't bring Howard back, you can expect that we may go out and we may draft a guy who's going to be take on the Thunder role. To, to Miles Sanders' lightning aspect of the offense. So, I mean, it, it could, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for sure. But, yeah, you, like you, you said, like, Doug Peterson deserves a whole ton of credit because, you know, like, this, this has so much to do with the culture that he built and so much to do. But then at the same time, I kind of sit there and I'm like, this is what happens when you get players who want a job. The, they actually tried. This is why I said earlier in the year, I, I can't remember what we, I think it was after the Falcons loss. I said, people are too comfortable in their roles on this team and injuries happen. And look what happens when you get people who know that they're playing for a job, who know that next, if we don't bring them back, there's a good chance that some team like the Bengals or someone who's a bit lighter at a certain position might go out and pick these guys up. It's such a insane thing to think that as soon as people are like Nelson Aguilar, I thought he was too comfortable in the role he was playing. Alshon Jeffrey, too comfortable in the role he was playing for the team. They just treated the game, the every game, just like another game, not a must win, not a, not like it's felt like they weren't playing for the team where these people, these guys are playing for the team. They want to win. They want not just to win. They want to prove themselves and they want to win a role for next year and years beyond that. And you could see the difference in Carson Wentz because now when he's, you know, Carson Wentz isn't the perfect quarterback. He'll throw balls high. He'll throw a ball low. Like he's not the perfect quarterback. But when he does that to these receivers, these young guys that are on the field, they're going to come back to the huddle and say, that's fine. You know, they're not going to throw their hands up, give them the death look like, Alshon does like Nelson does. You know, we all know Nelly's not back next year. Alshon is a different story because they guaranteed his contract for next year. If they were to get cut, just cut him, that's a $26 million, I think, cap hit that they have to take. Um, I don't know who the hell is going to trade for that contract. Um, they might have to, to to put money towards that if, if they're going to trade him. Um, so that that's a different story. Plus, who knows if he's going to be healthy for the beginning of the year. You know, of those three receivers that are hurt, Deshaun's the only one that I want back. Um, and then you go out and you draft one of these Bama receivers, Bama plays soon. You know, that's why I'm talking about it because if Alabama, you know, you go out there and you draft a Jerry Judy, I would love, but he's going to go top five, but might go to the giants. Imagine, Oh my God, that giants offense. If they can get a legitimate coach in there, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Jerry Judy with the, with the weapons they have. And if they can build that offensive line, good Lord, um, that offense is going to be really good. Um, Henry Ruggs, I would love. Devontae Smith, I would love. Um, Jalen Waddle, I don't think he could come out this year. 
but he's a name, you know, he's a, a name to keep an eye on for next year. He, he runs like a four two forty. It's ridiculous. You know, we're going to throughout this entire bowl season, we've seen nothing but speed receivers going up and down the field. Howie cannot be allergic to that. You have to add that dy- dynamic back to this offense. It's great that the Eagles have been able to win the last four weeks with the screen game and run game. Um, they throw, I mean, yeah, Burnett had a 41 yard catch last week. That's great. And Danny, but we need to see that becoming regular as a staple in this offense so that, you know, they have to go out there and then get, get they've gotten younger because they brought, brought these guys up, but they need to get faster. And this is where um, these receivers in the college game, and, and you've talked about it time and time again, Connor, that the receiver class this year, it's deep as hell. And you have to go out there and take advantage of this. You cannot mess up like you did the running back. But while it, it paid off because they got Miles Sanders last year, but uh, was that 2017, I think it was, when the running back class was deep and they, they wanted Dalvin Cook, but they weren't able to trade up to get him, and they settled for, I think, Donnell Pumphrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can't. They cannot have that happen again. You have to get a legitimate burner, somebody that can go out there, be a, a stalwart on the outside to grow with Carson Wentz for the next five to ten years. Well, on the bright side, one disappointing thing is where we end up landing with this year's first-round pick. I don't. I sadly don't think we get the receiver we want there. Like the obviously you're not Lamb's not falling there. Obviously Rugs I don't see falling there. I'm not as big on sport. I'm I'm not as big on a Lavisca Chanel, but I've seen like a lot of talk about KJ Hamler at a Penn State. He's a burner. If you go if you wait a little longer, you go to rounds through round four, you get like Texas, Devin Duvernay and stuff. There, there's a ton. This class is deep. If you're looking for burners, there's a lot of burners. I think we also need to not just look at burners and those guys who are just going to run up and down the field like track stars. We also need to look for an all-around receiver too, which was why I was more of a fan of like a Henry Ruggs. Some people have us mock us taking like a T. Higgins, but T. Higgins is just another big-bodied receiver. We already have Jeffrey under contract next year, who I do not see us moving. We already have Jay Jaw, who's there, who can't seem to hash out his role in this offense. Yeah, how sad is that? Like, that he's been on he's been on the the team all year. Devontae Burnett Burnett or Deontay Burnett has been on the team for 18 days. And he's out there playing. Now, at, um, Arcega, Arcega Whiteside might be a little hurt, so that could be the reasoning, reasoning he didn't get on the field. But you know that says something right there, that that, that J-Jaw cannot get on the field when you are literally at the bottom of the depth chart when it comes to what receivers are on the field. Yeah, because, I mean, in college, I mean, if you look at this guy's college stats, he was a red zone monster, and he was a contested catch winning monster. So I was so excited well, for those back, things. Back, those Pac-12 then, secondary players minus, you know, the Washington guys, uh, I don't know if they're really all that good. Yeah, but if, you, but if you're able to go contested catch, I mean, there has to be a, I don't know the full-on definition of it, but you're going up there with hands all over you or hands on the ball, your hand on the ball, his hand on the ball. So, I mean, you still got to be able to do something in the NFL. You're not going to win every contested catch like in the Pac-12, but you should be able to go up there and get the ball or you should be able to go up there and do something for us. So, I mean... Definitely, I see everyone going crazy over getting like a speed receiver, and I, I, I'm not hating on getting a speed receiver, but we need an all-around receiver too. We've stuck too much with the 
We drafted J-Jaw. He's a specific type of receiver. We have Deshaun Jackson. He's a specific Sweet. type of receiver. We had Nelson Aguilar. He's a specific slot receiver. These guys, they can do the other things, but we need someone who can be an all-around guy. We need someone who can play that X, that Y, that Z, and do it with precision and so, do it really well. When, when it comes to J-Jaw, he frustrates the hell out of me because, A, it always seems like he doesn't know what the hell he's supposed to do. When he's on the field, his hands are always up, looking confused. That, that, he, that's, that he hurt runs me too. In, he runs into it. If you remember the okay, – was it the Redskins game or the first Giants game? He ran into Dallas Goddard. Like he has run more into his own guys than he's caught balls over the last month, it seems like. It's just mm-hmm. so frustrating because you're right. He is a smart guy. He went Obviously, he went to Stanford. He ran pretty much the same offense, but he doesn't understand what the hell he's doing on the field. I, I don't I'm hoping that's just a rookie thing because if we see that again next year, I'm done with drafting Pac twelve receivers. Because Nelson Aguilar has has already given us all a sour taste and, and now J Jaw, even though it is his rookie year, he's he's starting to get into that same camp. He better improve from year one to year two because that was a second round pick you cannot afford to have, you know, be a bad one. No, exactly. I mean, we can't continue to for like Donnell Pump, who was a fourth round pick. Those are the one. Those are the picks. Those are those end up being some real difference makers for teams. Like you look around at some of the receivers out there right now who got drafted and where they got drafted. Like the Antonio, I hate to use Antonio Brown is of the world, but he was a late round pick. There's all these guys who were late round picks who blossomed and ended up being humongous for their teams. And we continue to falter early we're not getting anything from the people that were drafting early which is a shame because i mean Derek barnett had a really good year but he's still frustrating sydney jones showed up at the end of the year but that's still really frustrating like you think of what we invested from a draft capital perspective we can't be waiting until their contract years to, to see what they are and to decide do we pay these guys do we not pay these guys that's what's getting frustrating you we need to start finding people who are going to be performers almost from day one and it feels like we're constantly drafting the people who if it says if there's a little asterisk saying this needs developing it clearly shows in the nfl they come up to the nfl for us and they clearly show that they need develop there and in a number of other aspects of their game and that's what's getting really frustrating about the way that the eagles have drafted over the last couple years yeah and i'm glad you brought up sydney jones well um Yes, it hasn't been against the best offenses, and we're going to really get a test this week if he gets on the field um, to see what he can do against a legitimate quarterback. But he, his mental, he has, he's mentally strong. I, there's been so much said about Sidney Jones this year and how how much of a bust he is, and how should the Eagles even bring him back? I want him back because he is now he's he's three years post the, the injury and. If he can show why he was talked about as a top 15 pick when he, before his injury when he came out, you know that is huge for the Eagles because they could throw him on the outside and he can be a who knows Ronald Darby's not coming back next year. Jalen Mills prob they'll probably give him a contract so he probably will be back. Um, but Sydney will be back. Avante, uh, who I think will probably move to safety because I don't know if both the safeties are going to come back. Rasul's coming back, who I think is a safety. I don't think he's a cornerback, and I'm not the only one. Ray Dittinger says it. Seth Joyner says it. A lot of 
you know, guys that played in the league or know the football, know the NFL game better than I do say he's a safety. He's not a cornerback as much as you love him. Um, and uh, who else was I, was I talking about? Uh, but yeah, you know, Craven. So they have a lot of, again, we mentioned at the beginning of the day, they have quantity, but do they have the quality? And if Sidney Jones can, you know, this off season work on his craft, get in better physical health and keep that mental strength that he has, he has a legit chance to be a starter next year and prove that the Eagles didn't make a mistake with that second round pick. Yeah, we just really need some people to step up as outside corners. Like you said, we have quantity, but if you are sitting there with a cornerback and you're saying they could, they'd be better suited here, you don't have the right cornerback. We have a lot of quantity at the position, like you said, but the quality at the corner as far as specific to the cornerback position is not there. Craven LeBlanc, very specific. He's a slot receiver, just like Patrick Robinson was a few years back. Very, He's a slot corner, sorry. Very specific. He's that slot, that nickel corner, and he, you can't move him really to a man role, I don't think. He can't be out there on the outside. Jalen Mills, I mean, these guys are good at playing off, but we need guys who can play up in the face. That's the only reason I like Rasul Douglas. He plays up in the face, but when he gets beat, yes, he gets beat. I understand that. And he does get beat, but we need more guys who can play up in the face but keep stride for stride. That's and why I are, think that's where I think Sydney's strength is. They, 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 a, first, they tried to make him a slot corner. He's not a slot corner. Then they tried to make him like a, a zone type of corner playing back. He's not that either. He is a get up, and, and he has the intangibles. He's big, he's lanky, he, and he's pretty quick. That's where I think he, he can excel if Jim Schwartz were to do that. And then when it comes to Avante Maddox, I don't. he can't play the outside. We saw in that Green Bay game, he got abused before he got hurt. Um, he's also a slot corner, but if they're going to move him to safety, that's fine. Which doesn't make sense because playing slot is a lot harder than playing on the outside. So I don't understand how he's a better slot corner than outside. I mean, I don't I don't know. It it makes no sense. Some to people me. it's just it's natural. It's yeah, just and what he's quick he's smaller and he's quicker. So maybe maybe that's why. But you're and we talked about earlier in the year when a lot of the mock drafts were coming out and like the Eagles were taking a corner and you were like, Why? And then we saw in the Miami game, okay, that's why. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Eagles decide. And again, we're going to talk about it more in the offseason once the playoff run ends. But do they go receiver first round? Do they go corner first round? Or do they stick with old reliable and go defensive lineman um, in, in the first round? We'll see. But that's something that we'll definitely discuss later. Well, my, my most run. recent mock, I actually had him taking a safety. I am taking Xavier McKinney. So we're really going to – there's, there's a real – yeah, yeah. But there's a real like – there's like – you could really go anywhere you just don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to do too much of a reach in this situation. It's, it's crazy. Like, when, you look at they, the Eagles, when you look at the Eagles, yes, they, they won the division. They're a playoff team. But they have so many needs. It makes zero sense that they are in the playoffs. Does that make like do you understand? Like, well, I mean, you look at the way that these guys have developed. Like, I mean, we hated on the wide receivers coach for the longest time. But when they were talking about him during the game, it's so true. You never hear about him. But somehow he takes these complete nobodies and look what they are right now. And that could allude to Doug Peterson as well. But I think that also alludes on the defensive side of the ball, all these nobodies, to how important Jim Schwartz is as much as we like to rag on him. It's all about the culture and the coaches that they have in place and what they're doing with these guys is just completely unbelievable. Like, look at Rush who's playing beside Fletcher Cox so much. Look at what he was doing against the Giants. Like, that guy came off a practice squad. Like, th this is some... these. This speaks so much 
to the coaching staff and to the to the culture that I think you'd move on from some of these coaches. And I know no one's going to admit it now. You move on from a, a Jim Schwartz and next year, suddenly you'd sit there at some point and say, I kind of miss Jim Schwartz. Like during that game, when he brought the farm, he brought the farm and the announcer said, this man, Jim Schwartz is not afraid when he's going full on with the farm at Daniel Jones. He goes yeah. all out, and oh. that's – I mean, you got to have some balls as a defensive coordinator, and I think he takes a lot of flack for having the balls I just, I just hope that this run doesn't, like, let, make the Eagles sit with status quo. They need to make changes on the coaching staff. I think yeah. – I, I do think Mike, Mike Rowe needs to go. I do think Carson Walsh needs to go. Well, you um, saw that you saw the rumors that people want to interview Mike Groman. By good. all means, go ahead. The only no. people who I believe should be 100% safe and I, and Deuce. is is Deuce. Yeah, and I think Doug Stoutland. Peterson could be safe too. Well, Doug Peterson is safe. He's not going anywhere. But like of his assistant coaches, Deuce and Stoutland on the offensive side of the ball, they stay because that offensive line, what Stoutland does, has done this year is outstanding um, with that offensive mm-hmm. line. So. I give them credit. All right, let's move. Let's move on to this weekend's game, the Eagles Seahawks. The last time the Eagles faced the Seahawks was in Philly. It was um, week 12. The Eagles fell 17 to nine. It was probably their worst game of the year, especially offensively. The Eagles had five or six turnovers, but the def- that might have been Russell Wilson's worst game of the year too. Um, he only had uh, he had 200 yards passing. He was 13 to 25. His one touchdown pass came on a. Uh, a trick play and, you know, that run of trick plays that the Eagles kept giving up. Uh, Carson had a touchdown and two interceptions. Rashad Penny had a 129 yards rushing, which included a 58 yarder. But if we look at the Seattle team, Rashad Penny, Chris Carson out. Um, you look on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Michael Kendricks has ACL. He's out. Um, you know, they had to bring back beast mode who may- maybe it was because he hadn't played in over a year, but he looked kind of slow. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the Eagles, you know, if there was one matchup that you wanted the Eagles to have, it was probably the Seattle team. Now, it's tough to say that because Russell Wilson is really good and Russell Wilson has a lot of playoff experience and, you know, he, he he's a talented quarterback. He's somebody that can make plays out of nothing. I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback throw as well as he does moving forward. While I think Carson throws better on the run. Uh, he's one of the better quarterbacks that, but when you're running forward towards the line of scrimmage, Russell Wilson throws that ball really well. But I think this is a matchup that the Eagles probably were looking for. And it's, this is one while they're underdogs, they have a shot to win this game. Yeah. I mean, the injury bugs bit them hard. Like you, like you said, the running backs, Michael Kendricks, Jaron Brown, there's, there's a lot of injuries that, that are running through that team. So we got the best case scenario and it also, if we're able to move on, that probably opens up the door to, I don't see Zach Ertz playing this week. I sure as hell, if I was the team, would say no, because that man could will. die. That man could die if he lasts, if that, if his kidney opens up again, he starts gushing blood on the field. Like, it, well, he wouldn't be on the gushing blood on the field, but within himself. So, I mean, you got to be really, really careful as far as the last rate of kidney goes in that situation. But, like, then you could see the likes of Ertz coming back and Jackson coming back against when we moved on and met whoever it would be San Francisco. Like, it, it could be – it would make a whole different ball game. Like, I feel a lot more comfortable playing San Francisco with those two – well, just those two alone back in the lineup than those two not being in the lineup. It w- uh, would make the def- or the offense so completely 
different, something we hadn't even seen since week one to have Ertz and Jackson on the field together, I think. But yeah, I think that when the game first started, that was there was polls out. Who would you rather face? I voted. I smashed the Seahawks on every one of those polls because I that was the team you wanted. And then you saw Jaron Brown's injury during the game. Then you saw Michael Kendrick's injury during the game. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is a no-doubter. you got to get this team because this team's as beat up as us. But they also have a really bad offensive line to exploit. It's just Russell Wilson and trying to keep him within the pocket, which um, our ends don't do uh, – don't do a very good job of that. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, and then as far as, like, Tyler Lockett, he's disappeared in a lot of games and he's reappeared in others. So I think it all depends on if you have two guys watching him, then it's just DK Metcalf, which, well, there's another guy that, you know, we could have had, could have, should have, would have at the end of the day. Um, but he's he would be the guy that you just have to watch. They don't have a ton of weapons at the end of the day. Once they take away that, once you take away like the run game, a complete facet of their game, it suddenly becomes a lot easier team to defend because there's not a whole lot to worry about in the backfield, especially when we were one of the number one run defenses in the league. Yeah, and if you look at the that last game, there were a couple throws that Russell Wilson didn't miss. He missed DK Metcalf. He missed, uh, I think it was Hollister, uh, where he overthrew him in uh, in the corner end zone of the end zone. So, you know. The Eagles got fortunate on a couple of plays. That, that score definitely could have been a lot worse than it was. But, you know, you got to give the Eagles credit. Their defense their defense is so much better at home, and this is where I, I, I like their chances a lot. They give up like 16 points a game at home. That's one of the, you know, best defenses, you know, when you're talking numbers at home in, in the entire league. Um, and most teams are obviously better at home. But the crowd, the link is going to be rocking on Sunday. Um, the Eagles haven't had a playoff game since the NFC championship, a home playoff game since the NFC championship game against Minnesota in 2017. So, um, you know, that place is going to be loud. Um, and the Eagles have been in playoff mode since week, was it week, uh, 14, um, when they had that first giants game, they have been in playoff mode for four plus weeks now. And all those people that were, you know, Carson Wentz hasn't played in a playoff game. He's pretty much been been in the playoffs last month. It's it, if they lose a game, they're done. And they didn't lose a game, and he's a big reason why. He, you see the the Drek he's playing out. I don't want to call him Drek, but you see you see who he's playing with out there. He's the leader of this team, and he showed it. And I think he's earned a lot of guys' respect on his team. Anybody that may have doubted Carson Wentz throughout this season, he's earned their respect, and this team will run through a brick wall for him. And this is where I think you know we're going to see the best of Carson Wentz. I think this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, we alluded to it earlier. These guys are playing for jobs. These guys, these guys have nothing to lose. They they said it during the broadcast a couple of times. They they really it, it's a, and it's the same what they said about the Giants. They said about some of the receivers on the Eagles. These guys have nothing to lose. They're literally making the the minimum that you can make as players. So they're sitting there and they're saying, if I can get an extra couple hundred thousand dollars on my contract or something, or if I could go somewhere else and make it their million dollars a year, like these guys are playing for for jobs. These guys are playing to prove themselves. And Greg Ward has proved himself on countless occasions. And the fact that it took this long to get him here blew my mind 
especially when we weren't trying to pick anybody else up. We were just saying, trying to stick with the status quo and say Nelson will do it or somebody else on the roster will do it or Mac Hollins will do it. So, I mean, the fact that it took this long and then you see a guy like Marcus Johnson who went off and is succeeding elsewhere and we had him on our practice squad, we could have called him up earlier in the season too. Like, I think there was the opportunity to stop the bleeding at the the receiver position a long time ago, and they just chose to avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. And then we got to the point where we're out three our three big name receivers, and we let Matt Collins go, we let Shelton Gibbs go and brought him back. We got to a point now where we had to bring these guys up, and it goes to prove it probably should have happened a long time ago. Same with Boston Scott. I know injuries, opportunity, but that's all you need. Opportunity knocks, and that's all you need to prove yourself. I would absolutely take a Boston Scott next year to replace a role of Darren Sproles, especially if if Volley gets his 10 or 12 runs and he makes something happen in six to eight of those runs. That's a lot more than we were getting from a Darren Sproles or a Corey Clement, or it's a lot more than what we were getting from some people. So, I mean, it, these guys will give it their all for for Doug Peterson. They'll give it their all for Carson Wentz. On the defensive side of the ball, a guy like Anthony Rush, they will give it their all for, for Jim Schwartz. They're, they're willing to give it their all for the coaches and for the fans. And, and like, I mean, during post game press conferences and interviews last week they even talked about it like Jason Peters even talked about it these guys have brought a whole different element to the locker room and 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 you know what the fact that they hung with Mac Hollins as long as they did before giving mm-hmm. these before giving I'm, I'm just stick with Greg Ward a chance that's where that, that also bothers me you know yes I understand that Mac Hollins was a a draft pick and they they want to be 1000% sure that he he's not going to amount to anything. But when you know where I knew he wasn't going to amount to anything when he said he'd rather be a special teams player than a starting receiver. As soon as he says that, cut his ass and bring somebody else up who actually wants to go out there and and contribute to the team. He went the entire month, I think it was October, without catching a football. No, they stuck too long with him, and now we're seeing the benefit of actually getting people out there, like you mentioned, that are enjoying playing the game of football, that have something to prove and want to prove that that they belong on an NFL roster in the future. Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, do we expect these guys to all be on our roster next year? No, because we expect a lot of people to get healthy and that how he makes the right decisions in free agency, potentially with a guy like Robbie Anderson, or makes the right decisions through the draft with potentially the plethora of receivers that he could pick up. So we do we expect them back next year? Probably not. A Greg Ward, if we don't draft a speedy receiver, you could see a Greg Ward back next year behind Deshaun Jackson. So no, we don't I expect Greg, to see. I think Greg Ward's going to be the starting slot receiver next year. That that very well could be too, true too. Like I expect we could see some of these guys back, but like an Anthony Rush, I just don't know. A Deontay Burnett, probably not. A Joshua Perkins. He may just because somehow we're running with two tight ends all the time. As soon as one gets hurt, he's brought right back in. So I expect not on the main roster, but at some point, obviously, he'd probably be brought back. But, I mean, no, I don't expect them back, but it's good to have them now. And if they want to play their hearts out and play like play for it all, that's what we want and that's what we've needed since week one and it felt like Deshaun Jackson was the only person from week one who had the heart and who was playing for it all and it felt like Jeffrey never really was it didn't feel like Aguilar was it Matt Collins definitely wasn't Shelton Gibson may have been but all he was was a special teamers 
special team guy too. So, I mean, having these guys who are playing for it all and the people, the veterans like Jason Peters, coach like Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, they're all noticing that. That's humongous for for the morale and for the culture of the team. Yeah, so this is going to – obviously, you know, halfway through the season, we while we always say that we think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs, this was not guaranteed, obviously. Um, but we're mm-hmm. on, but we're happy. They're here. Dallas is not. Uh, Dallas choked down the stretch, so that's not shocking at all. Um, but the Eagles have to take advantage of this because I think the division will get tougher because the other team, the Washington, hired a competent coach. You know, if – Daniel Snyder doesn't interfere in Ron Rivera, how Ron Rivera wants to build his team, then, you know, Washington should be better. I expect the Giants to hire a competent coach. They're interviewing Mike McCarthy this week, the former Green Bay coach. And Matt Rule is, you know. Yeah, somebody. but I wouldn't speak too quick on that because they did say they're retaining Dave Gettleman. So. Well, that's true, too. Dave Gettleman. I don't know why. That was dumb. Dave Gettleman is terrible. You know, the only. The, and the other constant or the other thing that, that as. Eagles fans, we should hope for and and hope that Jerry Jones just stays alive because they're not going to win anything with him running football operations and hope that they, you know, decide to bring Jason Garrett back does because if they bring back Coach Clapp, we know we ain't got to worry about them anymore um, until he's gone and until Jerry's gone. So it'll be interesting. Let's move on to um, Wild Card Weekend. There are four big games. The Eagles have the last game. Um, the first game on Saturday is Buffalo, who you picked to make the playoffs, so congratulations on that, at Houston. Um J.J. Watt is back. Will Fuller has been to practice. So this this has all the makings to be a really good game. I don't know. You know, when, he, when you talk about Buffalo, Josh Allen, he, he's he's a he's like he's a running back playing quarterback. I don't has he, he yes, he has a strong arm, but he's not very accurate. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he's able to do against this Houston team. Who do you got Buffalo at Houston? And it's um, a two and a half. Buffalo's favored by two and a half. Sorry. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Buffalo on this one. I'm going to stick with it just uh, just like I have been. I mean, that Texans offense has not looked exceptional. Deshaun Watson struggled a bit. Buffalo built, yeah, you, Josh Allen struggled a bit. Somehow he gets it done. But at the end of the day, I think it, the difference will be that Buffalo Bills defense and how they stand. And it'll come down to, it'll definitely probably be a one possession game and probably right bordering on that three points. But I'm going to give the Bills by a touchdown in that one, I think. I'm also taking Buffalo, and I know you're probably going to be surprised. And it mainly comes down that I don't trust Bill O'Brien. I think he's an awful coach. Um, Deshaun Watson's a really good quarterback, but he is being held down because of Bill O'Brien. Um, and I think that that Bills – I like Sean McDermott a lot. Um, he's done a, an absolutely tremendous job with the Buffalo franchise since he's took over. They've been to the playoffs two out of three years. Um, and I think that defense is going to be able to force – um, just a uh, force, you know, one more turnover than um, Houston, and they'll be able to get the win by three. Next game, Tennessee at New England. Mike Rabel going back to where he played in New England. Um, and what could be the final foray for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together with the Patriots? The Patriots playing in their wild card weekend for the first time since 2009. Think about that. They went an entire decade without playing wild card mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, that's I know. Amazing. It's, and they it's lost an to Buffalo stat. last week. That's that's just amazing. Who you got? And the Patriots are four and a half point favorites. 
You said they lost to Buffalo last week, but they lost. No, they to lost Miami, to Miami. They lost to Miami. I thought which was great, man. When I watched that, I was cheering Miami on all the way, man. You, if if you're picking Ryan Fitzpatrick to tank, I hope this was a lesson learned. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back next year, but I hope this is a lesson learned to teams looking for a quarterback and trying to tank. Ryan Fitzpatrick does not play to lose, but also that culture that Brian Flores built. I can't wait to talk more in the offseason about some of these teams. Brian Flores is an exceptional coach to take a team that most people thought would be like one in 15, two and 14 to like what they were five and 11. That that's crazy. That's impressive. They, they right? went like four and two down the stretch, if I'm not mistaken, something. Yeah, like that. well, exactly. Like during the start of the season, they, they people were like, oh, people want out, people want out, all these rumors of people want an out. And then you end up being a five and 11 team. You realize you're probably and that's not with that trading, far off. That's with trading your best defensive player, Minka Fitzpatrick. Trading your two, t- trading your two best or two of your three best offensive players in Kenyon Drake and um, Laramie Tunzel. Well, Laramie Tunzel and the receiver. So three, three of their best four. Um, who's the receiver? Kenny Stills. Uh, yeah, Kenny Stills. Like they traded impact type players. They kept Devontae Parker. And you're right. We talked about it. You know, when the Eagles played played Miami. If you were looking to tank, you brought in the wrong the wrong the ridi- the He ridiculous. doesn't understand. He doesn't tank is not is is not in his vocabulary. No, and the ridiculous scenario out there, I honestly think they might have been able to be a 500 football team if they kept everybody, just stayed pat the way they were. They probably could have been a 500 football team. Call me crazy, but I mean, think about it. They were only three wins away. You swing that one, you swing a couple of those games a different direction, and you have those weapons at your disposal. They might have been eight and eight, but those first round picks are huge for them. So having three first round picks and being able to address those needs and not having to pay some people is really big for them. But back to the game at hand, I'm going with the Patriots on this one. I think the Titans have a chance, but I still think the Patriots make it. But I love it that the Patriots have to play a full playoff because I don't think they make the Super Bowl having to play that extra game and not being able to play at Foxborough. So I give the Pats this week, but then next week when they might play against like KC in KC, I'm definitely that that's where I draw the line. I don't think there's any pick in the Patriots then. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely right about that. I'm also taking the Patriots. Now I think the four and a half point spread is kind of big, but I think that the Patriots will get like a late, field goal late score something to push past that and win by like six or seven um it's going to be a tough game tennessee is a very physical team um and we saw what they did they're last very week. resilient and we saw I what mean. they did last week they they wanted to get um derrick henry the the rushing title and he ran the ball down the houston texans throat yes houston wasn't really trying but they've been a different team since ryan Tannehill became their quarterback that's what exactly and what ryan ryan Tannehill may have earned himself at least kind of like a bridge contract between him and whoever their next, because Marcus Mariota is not returning to, to, um, to Tennessee. Tannehill will be their starting quarterback next year, but he he's gonna he's earned himself another contract, a two or three year con- bridge contract, so they, to get to their next quarterback, whoever they may draft, whether it's this year or next year. Yeah, I mean it's crazy, Ryan Tannehill. I think that speaks so much to Adam Gaze. Look at the Jets. Look at Sam Darnold. Look at what he did with Ryan Tannehill in Miami. And then look what Mike Vrabel did with Ryan Tannehill in my, in Tennessee. Like it, It's crazy. I think it speaks volumes to Adam Gaze and the fact that Adam Gaze has a job, especially with the attitude and the way he's been in some interviews recently, blows my mind. 
completely blows my mind. But yeah. I think the Titans you're are about, you're talking about Gase too, right? Like yeah, what I mean, he said like, what he said about Le'Veon Bell when they asked, Do you want Le'Veon Bell back? And he said you have to ask Joe Douglas. Like what? Like, I can't believe Joe Douglas is putting up with that. I expected a bit better from him to, than to retain Adam Gaze as a coach, uh, making those comments. And then I, that comment where somebody made a comment, he said, oh, I'm rich, I, I'm already paid, I don't care kind of thing. That type of attitude, That imagine the culture that you're building, especially when you have Greg Williams as your defensive coordinator too. So yeah, Greg crazy, Williams crazy. actually deserves a lot of credit. He did a really good job with that defense. In, he does he does but he's got a reputation so I you have adam gaze with the reputation now you have greg williams with the reputation now but i mean ryan Tannehill, you can't say enough good about him derrick henry i was not that high on him in fantasy i even traded him in a fantasy league a dynasty mm-hmm. league and i should never that guy went on to win the title and one of the driving well, forces was you, that trade you traded him in a dynasty that may that may actually bode well for you because i don't know if he's going to be he's big bigger running back and takes a lot of yeah he's a he's a bruiser i agree in the next couple of years maybe he'll have a down tick but for this year that was a bad move but for the future you might be right all right it's been a while since i've seen you know two afc games on saturday and then we're gonna move to sunday where you have two nfc games first we're gonna start with the combined win total between minnesota and new orleans is 23 that's the most tied for most in the nfl since 2003 New Orleans, a 13-win team, is a three-seed. Think about that. And at the beginning of the year, we were all talking about for the Eagles, you know, if they can be, if they can get to 12 wins, they get a first-round bye. If they had 12 wins, they weren't getting no first-round bye. Um, so th- it was just a – the NFC is loaded this year, especially at the top. But Minnesota at New Orleans, New Orleans favored at home by eight. And this is their first matchup, I think, since uh, the Minnesota Miracle, if I'm not mistaken – which happened back in 2017 and sent Minnesota to Philly for the the bloodbath in the NFC Championship game. I'm taking New Orleans just because, if anything, I go with the better coach and Sean Payton's the better coach. And there's talk that if Minnesota loses this game, Dallas could call Minnesota and try to finagle Mike Zimmer out um, from them to become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So that 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 would be an interesting thing to 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 mm-hmm. look to watch. But I'm taking Minnesota or excuse me, I'm taking New Orleans. Drew Brees, which I don't want to say it's his last ride, but he's getting up there, um, setting all these records. Sean Payton, they got something to prove after what happened in the NFC Championship game last year against the Rams. So I'm taking New Orleans uh, by ten. Um, I'm gonna go with the Vikings. I think the spread's a little high, but I think Michael Thomas will have a monster game against the Vikings to go along with his ex absolute monstrosity of a season that he had so i'm gonna go with the vikings just because i don't think i think the spread's too much i think that the saints probably will end up winning by a touchdown but the spread's at what seven and a half or eight you saw yeah. so um, i'm going with the win by a touchdown but and if, uh, min- if minnesota not. were to win this game outright the eagles would go and the eagles win they'd go to green bay that and we know the Eagles won in Green Bay early. Now it was in October. It's not in January. Devontae Adams is fully healthy. That would be a really interesting matchup. Uh, but that's something that we will discuss if it happens next week. And on to the finale. The they saved the best for last. The Philadelphia Eagles, the NFC East champs at nine and seven, hosting the Seattle Seahawks, who finished at eleven and five in second place in the NFC West. The Eagles are two-point underdogs after starting as, I think, a point-and-a-half favorite. So a lot of money going in on Seattle. 
who you got with the score? I uh, I think I'm going to go with Philly. I think if we're going to win one, it's going to be this one. And next week, if we end up with like a Sam Fran or Green Bay, that either of those matchups are scary matchups given the injuries. But like I said, if you have Deshaun Jackson and Zach Ertz back, maybe I'll be rethinking things if we make it that far. But we'll worry about that next week. But I'm going to go with the Eagles, and I'm going to go with a score of – I feel I have a feeling it'll it'll end up being a semi shootout type thing going just because they're just going to go back and forth a bunch. Seattle's defense has been good but not great. Our defense has been good but not great. The offense is both good but not great. I think that all equals like this this semi shootout type thing. So I'm going with a 31 to 27. Wow, that's so I also we may have guaranteed the Eagles losing. I'm taking the Eagles. I had a 21-17 score. Um, I don't know if, if if it's going to be as high scoring as I, I just I see it being close all the way through. Um, it's going to be a nail biter, and <clears throat> excuse me, I think that the crowd at the link is going to make a huge difference for the Eagles' defense. Um, I don't. I think that they're going to be able to get pressure on Russell Wilson. I think the if I'm not mistaken, the Eagles sacked him like six times um, when they when they played him week 12 so they have a blueprint obviously um seattle knows that and and they don't have the same weapons on offense especially in the backfield they don't have chris carson they don't have rashad penny who had his breakout game they have beast mode and they have robert turban so it's going to be interesting to see the eagles can't fall for trick plays um they can't allow big plays down the field because if you give up quick you know, quick strikes and big plays down the field. Seattle will take advantage of that. Seattle will win this game running away. Um, but I think the Eagles defense is going to be able to hold strong. And I think the offense is going to be able to make enough plays. This Eagles offense is better now than they were back in week 12. Um, you know, they, they know their pieces. They know where they belong. They know what they're doing on the field. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles take advantage of that and come away with a 21-17 win and get to divisional round, get to the divisional round for the third year in a row, which outside of the New England Patriots, that does not happen often in the NFL. You know, the Eagles are going in the playoffs for the third year in a row and have a chance to get to the divisional round for the third year in a row. Yeah, I I, mean, I really hope so. I really hope so. I mean, like you said, the, the injury bug has bit them, but the injury bugs bit us. So really, hopefully we have the same heart and the same everything that we've had in prior weeks. And we come out winning this game because we we could really use that i mean no matter how far we get it has to be a blessing each week of how far we get because in all honesty we are damn lucky to be where we are right now i think in my personal opinion we're lucky to even be in the playoffs we're lucky jason garrett and the dallas cowboys are garbage and gave us this opportunity we have to thank jerry jones and jason garrett for that so we should count our blessings with every game that we go by and hope that we can continue to make it, but know that we don't have that bad of a team when you look around the NFL. No, we don't. We made, we won the division. Yeah, it was a shit division this year, and it was like a dog's breakfast, the teams within it and what was happening throughout it. But at the end of the day, we're not that bad of a team. Nine and seven is not that bad of a record that could have easily been flipped 11 and five, 12 and four, had it been the ball bounced a different direction in two or three games. So we're not that bad, and head injuries not bounced completely against us week in and week out. We probably could have been that 10 and 6, 11 and 5 type team that people were semi 
predicting and thinking we might be. It's amazing what the injuries the Eagles have had the last three years. You know, 2017, Carson Wentz, Jason Peters, Jordan Hicks, Darren Sproles. You know, they all, they all get hurt. Even um, our kicker at the time, I can't remember who it was, got hurt. And then um, last year, more injuries. Carson Wentz got hurt again. Darren Sproles got hurt. Like, Well, the yeah. fact that they can make a graphic on a screen and it fills the screen. And oh, it's, that, not, it's not a filler either. There's yeah, just year, yeah. so many names. Like there was 10 guys come up. And I was like, that is just unreal. Yeah, it's, it's a, they, it's a, usually they put it in the corner with the names, but yeah, why no. not just put the whole graphic just to show, like, outside of the Chargers, I don't think there is an unluckier team than the Eagles. And, and, it's, not, and it's not backup play. Like, it's legit starters. It's Deshaun. It's Alshon. It's Nelson. There was it's a point in Brandon the game. Brooks, there, it's there was Lane a point, Johnson. It's, you know. There was a point in that game where we literally, the only pl- the only players who started week one on that field were Carson Wentz, Jason Kelsey, and Jason Peters, and somebody commented Isaac on Twitter. Sayama, Isaac Sayamalo. Was and Isaac, or Isaac Sayamalo. And th- someone commented, Jason Peters barely in brackets. So, I mean, it's well, true. Well, you know, speaking of Jason, he did not get called for a false start last week or a penalty at all. I was shocked. It's good on him. Good on him. He needs to do that. But I, this could be his final year too, which would I would be okay with because I think we have the right person in place to help to take over for him and Andre Dillard. So, so before we uh before we get off, um, yeah, the guy that I want, who we are not going to get because he's going to go top five, just scored an 85 yard touchdown against Michigan. Jerry Judy, first play first play from scrimmage went 85 yards. So um, yeah. I wish we could get him, but I po- him, I posted, seeing, him in a, seeing him in a Giants uniform is going to freaking suck. I posted a mock draft this morning on Twitter, last this morning, last night on Twitter, and I put Jerry Judy to the Giants, and I actually had a Giants fan put, why the fuck are we drafting a receiver? And I was like, Darius Slayton isn't the answer. Sterling Shepard's disappointed. Evan Ingram's always injured. This is a difference maker. I was like, you get a guy like Jerry Judy and with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, all you have to worry about is building up your line. And, and you can build that through end defense, but you can build that through free agency. You've seen what Howie's done with, with teams and in the trenches. You don't always have to take it with the first pick in the draft. You don't always have to go big, but this is this would be a home run hit for them. But at the end of it, we but the, at the end of the Twitter exchange, we both agreed Dave Gettleman will screw this up in some form <laughs> or another, and it won't end up Jerry Judy, and it won't end up the best player available. It'll be something well, uh, completely crazy. Yeah, and then we don't obviously they were able to get Daniel Jones, but like they could have taken Sam Darnold instead of uh, um, Saquon, and who knows what type of position they would be in now. So it it will be interesting to see what happens come draft time. Um, yeah, and that's something that once the, se- the the season's over and we get into the heart of the off season, we'll definitely both be discussing and putting out some mock drafts and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's good to get back here, Connor. It was good, and it was uh, go Eagles, man. We get a playoff game and something that we didn't expect halfway through the year. Absolutely, and I just want to throw it out there because I'm doing this later in the week for the Kelly Green Hour. Um, I am going on the air myself to conduct an interview with his his he is at FF student doc on on uh, Twitter. His name's Edwin Poros, and he is a student doctor who has graciously agreed to come on because of all the injuries and the craziness over the last couple of years with injuries and our medical stuff. 
he has agreed to come on and we're going to have an interview and we're going to talk Eagles injuries. It may not be the world's most positive episode, but it should be an extremely interesting episode. And that's probably going to end gonna up. We have enough time to do that because the Eagles have had so many injuries the last couple of years. Oh, man. We're just, I made 10 questions. I'm gonna, we're going to go at it and hopefully it takes no more than an hour. That's what I pray. <laughs> All right. Um, Connor, hopefully you have a uh, happy new year. I hope you have a good holidays. Um, and we will be back, go Eagles, and as they host the Seattle Seahawks this week. Connor can be reached on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And I can be reached on Twitter at LJHarrell54. That's L-J-H-A-R-R-E-L-L-5-4. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.